Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. I'm your host, Aaron Jones, bringing you the best nonpartisan information from our experts that you need to know. Welcome back to the Need to Know podcast. This is Aaron Jones, your host, and I'm here today with Michael Penfold, who is a fellow with the Latin American program. He is from Venezuela, uh, has done his education here, went to Columbia University, and he goes back and forth to Caracas. He's been affiliated with us for a long time, but is actually in residence right now. So welcome. Aaron, a pleasure to be here with you. And you have a book uh, that's out as well. Why don't you give us a little plug yeah, for your book? Yeah, it's a book um, that I wrote with uh, Javier Corrales um, a few years ago and that we we updated um, and Brookings has published. Um, it's called um, Dragon in the Tropics, and it's, it's focused on Venezuela and the Chavez era. And we updated it to include sort of uh, what the Maduro regime looks like and, um, and the implications of of what's happening um, currently in Venezuela. Well, I wanted to get you on the podcast today because last week we saw with the State of the Union address, we saw Juan Guaido in in the uh, in the gallery, and he was pointed out by the president. It really seemed only last about twenty seconds, uh, but it struck me uh, that amongst all of the guests that the president had gotten, he brought in uh, Juan Guaido, who has been saying that he is the legitimate president of Venezuela now for, what, more than a year, right? Uh, what does that do for Juan Guaido's political life in Venezuela and for the Venezuelan people? I mean, Venezuela has been struggling with a huge governance crisis um, that that uh, started a few years ago, but was exacerbated by the fact that uh, Maduro was not recognized by the international community. Um, and Guaido, as uh, interim president um, and head of the National Assembly, uh, has been trying to to precipitate um, a political transition and and to to call for new uh, free and fair elections in Venezuela. And he has been unable to do that um, in practice, um, despite uh, huge mobilizations by the population, uh, social protests. Um, and um, and and a very important uh, condemnation by the international community of the Maduro regime. So so this uh, you know the presence of Guaido in the State of the Union um, speech by Trump is is it's not only surprising. He, he had to leave the country through the border um, to Colombia. Then he went to Europe and finished his sort of international tour here in Washington. So so it it, it was a. Uh, it, it, it is a, it's a it's a very important moment for him because what it it, be, it basically represents or a, at least for Guaido is is um is the renovation of the international community's recognition of him as interim president and not only was he received by Trump he was also received by Macron in in in, in France um a, by Boris Johnson in England um and um and by the european community so so it's it's part of a of a larger international effort to to sort of uh, consolidate this 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 international recognition for him and and it's it's a very important moment in that process well it sort of it lends this sort of gravitas to his efforts 
to be at a State of the Union and recognized at really the, when you talk about the pomp and circumstance of the United States presidency, the State of the Union is it, right? Um, so he's recognized there. What does that do in Venezuela? He's done this international tour. To what end? Well, Venezuela currently is 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 subject to to enormous international pressures, and among them, they we have uh, U.S. sanctions, um, which um, ha- started basically three years ago, um, in two thousand seventeen, um, with financial sanctions, and escalated last year. Um, once Guaido came, uh, was 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 sworn in as as interim president, um, by imposing um, oil sanctions um, and basically limiting the ability of Venezuela to import diluents to process oil. Um, so, so um, so the U.S. has an enormous influence over over Venezuela. Um, and um, in part because our oil industry is, is, is very well integrated to, 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 to the U.S., in particular to the so- southern um, states in the U.S., where, we, where Venezuela holds um, many different refineries. Um, and, and, and therefore, uh, you know, for Guaido, uh, 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 consolidating Trump's support was key because uh, there is this vision that without that kind of pressure, uh, the Maduro regime will not sort of cave in into any type of concession that can allow for, for these elections to happen. Now, uh, the reality is, in the, in, in, in the field, in, in Venezuela, is that Guaido has been struggling um, to, to sort of um, uh, to remove Maduro as president. So, so what you're, you have is this big governance crisis where you have a de facto president, which is Maduro. Um, and you have this de jure sort of uh, president that is Guaido. And, and the country is, is stuck into this political stalemate. Um, and, and I believe that in order for the country to get out of this, of, of this quagmire, um, uh, the international community, but in particular the role of the U.S., is, is absolutely essential. Uh, some people believe I, that you know sanctions will do the trick. I, I'm more skeptical about you know how sanctions can play out in Venezuela. Um, in fact, you know the, the the regime has been adapting to these sanctions. Um, it has dollarized the economy. It's 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 been able to diversify despite the huge decline in oil production. It has been able to diversify oil sales to China, India. Um, and 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 Europe, um, it's uh, the U.S. has been finding it very difficult to coordinate sanctions with other countries, particularly with Europe um, and Latin America. So, so this is um, you know the, the the idea that sanctions alone will 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 do the trick is 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 a very I think problematic vision. But on the other hand, the U.S. Um, can play a very important role because without that pressure. Um, th- th- there's no doubt that the regime would not even bother in terms of, of engaging in trying to, to, to search out for, for some kind of, of concession that allows a, the country to solve this governance crisis that we've gone through hmm. now for quite a while. So w- the international community supported Guaido after the election, uh, and then there seemed to have been an attempt you know, within Venezuela 
to elevate him. Uh, there was, you know, a couple of days and a couple of news cycles where they talked about a coup that just kind of disappeared. Um, and then we've sort of seen, I think, to the casual observer, what seems like this stalemate that you have said. So he's had the international support for a while. Um, and I understand that he wants to kind of rehabilitate and make sure that everybody is still up to speed and on the same side. What does this do domestically, though? Does this create any different situation domestically that he's done this and he's been had this recognition? I think domestically, it, the the effect of 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 this sort of um, a ratification of of the international community community's goodwill towards his um, his role as interim president. It sort of solidifies his leadership position within the opposition. The opposition is a very large coalition of very different groups, very heterogeneous, with different agendas, different interests. Um, and I think he was finding it increasingly difficult to to maintain that unity um, within that coalition, um, in part because there are groups who perceive that it's not clear that the outcome will be some kind of political change and it's not clear what the strategy he's trying to pursue is. And there's this belief that only with international pressure it's not going to be enough uh, to actually precipitate some kind of political event in Venezuela, that you need more than that. And that, in fact, you, you need to engage um, directly with, with a regime, either through some kind of negotiation that Guaido opened up through Norway um, at, at the, at, you know, in... in, 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 in um, in June, and that you know those talks collapsed in in September, um, and um, others believe that you know the the the, the regime now is going to try to call for legislative elections, you know, with with electoral rules that are not necessarily free and fair, and some groups believe that you know despite that that the opposition needs to engage. Um, by participating in those elections. Otherwise, you know, the institutional base on which by those presidency, interim presidency is based, might be, might be, you know, might be gone, might be vanished, might, might vanish. So there's an attempt here to try to negotiate their way out of this? Well, I think the vision is that at the end, the regime has several pillars, but one of the most important pillars has to do with the military. Um, so, and I, I think the military in Venezuela is very much afraid of a U.S. engineered transition um, because they, they perceive that they have too many interests at stake. First of all, they control right now the oil mining industry. Um, they have a very large presence in the bureaucracy. Um, they manage directly most of uh, Venezuela's state-owned enterprises. Um, and, and so this, this, this military has become incredibly powerful. Um, and therefore, uh, I think that the only way out of this, of this, of this situation will necessarily need to include some kind of political guarantees for all these interest groups that are sustaining the regime um, in order to reduce the cost of, of any political transition in Venezuela. Um, and that has been attempted, um, but I think this, this combination where you have this idea that you need some negotiated solution, but at the same time you have this this use of sanctions um, where the U.S. has been very aggressive in terms of using 
this this tool in in order to attempt to 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 um to produce enough pressure to precipitate that that political transition has has created enormous uncertainty within these groups um and and in fact what has happened is that these groups perhaps when Guaido came to the political scene early last year these groups were some of them i think were more prone towards change and i think at this point they're more skeptical about you know what kind of change they're going to get and if that change in fact might might threaten uh, their power base and and their interests and Juan Guaido is the head of the national assembly and explain to just sort of the casual observer is that like Congress or a parliament? What is the what's the, the national political... assembly? Like Congress, yes. Okay, it's so that's... Venezuela Congress. So I mean, it's... Venezuela has been for many years a democracy. We've had elections for over sixty years in Venezuela. Um, you know, a, a, and even Chavez came to power through elections. Although Chavez, a, in many ways, a, undermined the rule of law and undermined the division of powers in Venezuela which allowed Maduro not only to come into power, but actually to fully dismantle this, the, the constitutional rule in the country. So, so the National Assembly is, is our, our Congress um, so constitutionally. The, so, so what you're telling us is, is that the presidency, the elections that get, get you into the presidency, they're not fair, but the ones that get you into the National Assembly are. No, the problem was that Maduro was elected after Chavez died in in 2013 in an election that was recognized um, by the opposition forces and by the international community. Um, his presidency has been characterized by huge mismanagement of the economy. I mean, basically, Venezuela has lost two thirds of its of the size of its economy. We have the largest migration crisis outside of Syria right now. It's it's even as large. It's going to be as large as the Syrian crisis by the end of this year. Um, so he has created, you know, a massive crisis, and on top of that. Once the opposition gained two-thirds of the seats in Congress, what Maduro did was to start a, a, a slicing those that, that, that majority and even creating a, 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 a new legislative body, which is a constituent assembly that he called without you know, following the rules of the Constitution, in order to, to, to basically uh, contain uh, the possibility of the opposition removing him from, from office. Um, and that process, which has been, you know, characterized by massive mobilizations, by, you know, violence, by uh, many different, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, repression overall, was, was um, ended when Maduro ran again for re-election in 2018. And um, the opposition decided to boycott those elections and were, they were not recognized by the international community. And despite that, Maduro decided to stay in power. And, and this is where the interim presidency emerges from, is, is sort of the constitutional interpretation of what happens when, you know, this, this, this the legitimacy crisis uh, needs to be solved. And uh, there is this interpretation that the, that the head of the National Assembly should, should occupy the presidency and call for national uh, presidential elections and restore the constitutional rule in the country. I see. So really, 
uh, Guaido's role here is to should be as kind of a constitutional caretaker until another election can be called that is Absolutely. recognized. That's correct. Okay. Well, I, I think that that's something that's kind of lost in a lot of the coverage. I think you know when you just turn on CNN and whatever, you're going to get a lot of the back and forth. Uh, you know, making it look like you have two presidents that are kind of duking it out. Uh, what is I mean, we, 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 we've heard what you've said about, you know, kind of the negotiations and where the opposition and the different factions kind of need to be placated. But what do you see coming out in the next year as far as this goes? What, what, what's on the horizon here? I think it's, it's going to be a very difficult year for Venezuela. I, I quite honestly, I, I, I wish this was different, but the idea that only international pressure um even you know receiving this sort of great support from from many latin american countries from the us canada and and europe is going to be enough to precipitate a, a political transition in venezuela it's not very strong i think you need you need more on the domestic front and and i think guaido remains a very popular politician he has approval rates over 45% um, Maduro only has 14% approval rates, um, but but that's not enough. It, what you need is you need political organization. You need the capacity to mobilize people in the streets, um, and and you need also to open up uh, to these interest groups and to this power base that is sustaining the regime's alternatives. And I think the opposition so far has not been very good at doing that, in in part because um, I think there's this sort of this narrative that at the end that you need this pressure through sanctions to create this, this additional situation that, that precipitates this political transition. And instead, my view is that these types of regimes, because there are hegemonic authoritarian regimes where the part, you know, you have not only the military, you have the party base, you have um, irregular groups that also um, are, are organized um, outside of the party and that play a very important uh, role in sort of threatening and, and repressing the population. Um, and, and you have a regime also that is supported by other nations like Russia, for example, China, Turkey, Cuba, um, and even India right now is is playing a, a role in Venezuela. So, so it's it's in in many ways Venezuela is, is becoming sort of a, one of these cases, like perhaps Ukraine, where where you have you have all these geopolitical interests that are there are at play. Well, very interesting. We're going to keep tracking it, and uh, as things arise, we might get you back on here. To, I really appreciate all the insight that you've been able to give us. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> 